Welcome to the New Life Baptist Podcast. Our mission is to love the Great Commandment, live the Great Commission, and lead one more to Jesus Christ. We thank you for listening, and we hope that you are encouraged today as we dive into God's Word. Let me invite you to take the Word of God, to open the Word of God and turn in the Word of God to Acts chapter 8 today. We're going to continue looking at the movement of God as people are being saved and people are being baptized and they're giving their lives to Jesus. I'm thankful for the three that we've had this morning in our own church family that have made it public that they are followers of Jesus Christ and baptism. Uh, Lord willing, I think we have four people next Sunday lined up to tell their story that their lives have been changed by Jesus. And we're going to see that continue in the text today. We have one more man who's going to give testimony that he's been changed by Jesus in baptism. And next Sunday, we'll see another man in chapter 9 who indeed was changed by Jesus and made it public through the testimony of baptism. And that's just going to be the story of the New Testament, is that when the gospel begins to draw and the gospel begins to work, men respond in obedient faith. And we're going to say here, as we look at an Ethiopian eunuch, the gospel, you remember at this time, at the beginning of Acts chapter 8, there's revival in Samaria. All right, Philip has gone, he's left Jerusalem, they scattered, and as he's scattered and he's taken the gospel with him, he's gone, it says, to the city of Samaria, kind of the region of the Samaritans. People are hearing the good news. People are being changed by Jesus, and, and they're, they're adding to the church, and they're giving their lives to him. And right in the middle of revival, right in the middle of spiritual awakening, right in the middle of a great movement by God, God calls Stephen away. Philip, God calls Philip away. He says, Philip, I want you to go and I want you to leave Samaria. I want you to walk 165 miles in the middle of the desert to a city called Gaza. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd be like, Lord, no, <laughs> right? I'm in the middle of revival. I'm in the middle of a people coming to Christ. It's exciting. And you want me to go where? For, for who? Why? This is what God has called him to do. And why do we see God call Philip away in the middle of an amazing movement of God? For one man. I want you to see that today. The power of God seeking one person at a time. The power of God reaching one person at a time. The power of the kingdom advancing one soul at a time. And if you're here today, I pray that's you. I pray you will realize God's coming after me. God is using the word to seek me. God's Holy Spirit is convicting me. And God is calling me to be changed by him because God cares about you. So if you will with me for the reading of God's word, let's stand together. Starting in Acts chapter 8, verse 25, let's read the word of God. It says, So when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem, and they were preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. They were in Samaria, and now they're moving back towards Jerusalem. And as they go, they're preaching in all the villages they pass through. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, and he said, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. And what kind of road is this? Where are we going? The desert. This is a desert road. And so what did Philip do? He got up and he went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem for what purpose? To worship. And he was returning. And he was sitting in his chariot and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. And Philip, again, this instant obedience, he ran and he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. And he said, do you understand? Do you know what you are reading? And he said, 
How could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip up to come and sit with him. This is the word of God. Amen. 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 Have a seat today, if you will. Keep the text open before you. Also, invite you to take the backside of the worship God. We're going to walk together through the Word of God, plug in some things as we go and see what God has for us in His text here today. I want you to see something in the life of Philip. Philip would be the author of this song if he would have written this a long time ago, but it would be this, wherever he leads, I'll go. Philip, again, is following God, and Philip is trusting God, and Philip has obedient faith to go where God is calling him to go. And that's what we're going to see right here in the text. We're going to see, first of all, the, the thing that would define the ministry, the life of Philip is this. We see in him the obedience to be sent. That's the first thing to plug in. We see in Philip the obedience to be sent. Go back to our text, verse 25, when they heard, when they saw me testify and spoke in the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem. That's where they came from. Now they're going back. But again, as they're going back, they're preaching the gospel to the villages of the Samaritans. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip and said, get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. So don't miss this. To, to drop everything that God is doing to head down a desert road with no knowledge of where you're going, why you're going there, and what you're going to do when you get there, that for me as a pastor, that seems very unreasonable. I'm like, Lord, don't you see what's happening here? I want to stay and be a part of this. There's people responding. This is an amazing encounter. The Samaritans, they're, they're being saved. They're, they're hearing the gospel. And you want me to go where? And, and do what and why? But we see that even in this call from, from God on Philip's life, God's word was enough. Because when God said, get up and go, Philip got up and went. Right? I love that. It says right here in the text of so verse 27, after God said, I want you to go to the road that descends from Jerusalem to God's, I want you to go to the desert. Philip, it says in verse 27, he got up and went. That was Philip's response to God's call. No hesitation. No argument, no objection, no saying, hold on, God, give me a few more days. No, when God said, go, Philip went. He got up and he went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And so we see that he didn't hesitate at all. He didn't object at all. He literally just trusted God. And God said, go, Philip went. And I want you to see this in the text that the Holy Spirit always initiates, and then the Holy Spirit invites us to join Him. All right, the Holy Spirit always initiates, and then the Holy Spirit invites us to join Him. We're going to see the Holy Spirit initiating in a couple different ways right here. Number one, He's initiating in the Ethiopian eunuch. Because in a moment, He's going to need someone to help Him understand the gospel. So the Holy Spirit has started drawing him because he's going to bring him to the point of salvation. So he's already initiating in the Ethiopian eunuch. But he's also initiating the call upon Philip's life. Because Philip is following God and, and God has a plan for Philip and a purpose for Philip that he doesn't fully understand or see just yet. But he's going to follow him because the Holy Spirit has initiated and now he's invited them to go and Philip is going. Philip had no idea what God had in store. Philip knew not what was on the other side of his obedience, but he got up, he went, he got on the desert road, and he started walking 165 miles in the opposite direction because God had a purpose for him. Something we say here a lot that I want you to always hear is that God is in charge of the outcomes, we're in charge of the obedience. 
right? I don't have to worry about the outcomes. God's going to take care of that. My responsibility as a follower of Christ is to be obedient, to do what he says, to trust that he has a purpose, to trust that he has a plan, to trust that he has a promise. And on the other side of obedience, God has a blessing and a promise, and, and his goodness is waiting for me on that side. And in, the Philip, and in the obedience of Philip right here, what's on the other side? An Ethiopian eunuch on his way back home from Jerusalem in need of someone to tell him about Jesus. Isn't that Philip's job? He was one of the seven elected in Acts chapter 7, one of the men chosen to go and, and lead, or Acts chapter 6, to go lead the church as, as a servant, as a deacon of the body. This is Philip's job. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's got the Word of God, and we see him have a divine encounter, divine appointment with this man from Ethiopia. Again, verse 27, he got up and went. There was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of, of, of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. Now let's focus in on this man really fast. All right, number one, we know this. First thing we see, he's Ethiopian. What does that mean? Well, Ethiopia would represent just North Africa at this time. So he's from the region of North Africa. He's south of Egypt, south of Israel. He has traveled as a eunuch. Who's a eunuch and what is a eunuch? A eunuch mean that, means that he's been surgically altered as a man, surgically altered to serve his kingdom without any sexual distraction one way or the other. And now he's a royal official is what it says in the text, which means he's in charge of the treasury of the queen, which means he's a man of great authority. And essentially he's CFO or chief financial officer to the kingdom. That is his role and that is the responsibility to the queen. Now, here's what's interesting about the Ethiopians. We see the kings reigned, but the queens ruled. Why? Well, the Ethiopians would see their kings as descendants from the gods. And so because they were of deity in their mindset, because they would see them as demigods, they would recognize that you are here as a representative of the gods to us. And so you don't actually rule, you just reign. We worship you. We hold you in high esteem. But the queen mother would actually be the one in charge of the kingdom. She actually run the day-to-day -day operations, and so that's why he is in charge as a court official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. And so Candace would be a title like Pharaoh. It would not be her name. That would just represent as a Pharaoh would lead Egypt, the empire, as a Caesar would lead the Roman Empire. We see a Candace would be the same in title and the same in ruling the kingdom. And somehow, this man, it says, has come to Jerusalem to worship. Somewhere in his life, he has heard about the God of Israel. Somewhere in his journey, someone has told him about God. And all of a sudden, what we see in this man, somewhere along the way, he heard about the God of Israel. Somewhere in his lifetime, someone told him about the true God. And what do we see produced in this man? A heart that was unsettled. All of a sudden, he realized, these pagan gods aren't doing it for me. What I've heard about has changed my perspective because my job isn't doing it for me. My, my title isn't doing it for me. I was looking for fulfillment, but it's not enough for me because everything that I have in my life has now been unsettled. It's been upended. It's been uprooted because I've heard about something else. I've heard about somebody else. And what we're seeing in this man is that his life questions weren't being answered. His soul was never satisfied. The things of the world, they simply were not enough. His career wasn't enough. His status wasn't enough. His wealth wasn't enough. His ritual and false religion wasn't enough. He's had enough, and now he's searching for more. How, how much is he searching? So much so that he would be willing to make a 2,000-mile round trip to Jerusalem just to find the God that he's heard about. 
just to come find the God that he's heard about. And what I want you to see in this text right here is this. A soul that is searching will only be satisfied in a Savior. A soul that is searching will only and always be satisfied exclusively in a Savior. So Matthew 5, 6, he would say, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will see God. Right? They will see God. This man is hungering and thirsting for something more because this world can't give it to him. This world's not provided for him. And the reality is apart from Christ, every single person in this room, we have a satisfaction and a fulfillment problem because it's never enough. You ever sit there and wonder, just like this man did, and say, there's got to be something more, right? Surely this can't be all there is. Surely I've had it and I've tasted it, but it's not, not, not there to fulfill me. It can't actually fulfill the, 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 the hole in my, my soul. I need something different. And that's exactly what the Word of God tells that. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11 says that we have been created with eternity set in our hearts. If you and I have been created with eternity set upon our hearts, that means the only thing that's going to fill the eternal soul and the eternal whole is something eternal itself, right? We can't fill it with temporary things. They'll backfire. They'll come up short. They won't ever amount to what we expect them to amount to. They can't hold the weight of our joy and satisfaction and fulfillment because they're not made for those things. And so the great tragedy is that the people who, who hear about the kingdom of God will not return to the kingdom of God because they want to try other things. And that's the problem apart from Christ. But the promise found in Christ is that if we eat and drink of him, we'll never be hungry or thirsty, ever. This is what Jesus says in, in John chapter 6, if you eat of me, I'll give you the bread of life, and this bread of life will never leave you hungry again. If you drink of me, you truly taste and see and know that I'm good, I will give you a thirst that will always be quenched by my love for you. We see that in Jesus we will be satisfied and secure, and we will be saved. And I want to challenge you today. Make it the passion of your life to seek God, and make it the passion of life to be satisfied in Christ alone. A soul that is searching will only be satisfied in a Savior. And it looks like this man comes up a little bit short. Let's go on our text. Verse 28, he's returning. He's sitting in his chariot, and he's reading the prophet Isaiah. He's gone to Jerusalem to find God, and he's coming back, but he's a little more confused because he's reading the book of Isaiah, and, and Philip stopped and said, hey, uh, Philip, the Spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. And Philip ran and said to him, hey, man, do you know what you're reading? Do you understand Isaiah? Do you understand the text? Do you understand the prophecy to which you are reading? And the man said, how can I? How could I ever understand any of this unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So God has initiated the unsettling of this man's heart. He's out there searching for truth. He has a hunger for truth. He has a genuine desire to seek God, to know God. He desperately wants to know who God is and what he's done for him, but he hasn't found the answer yet until, until God meets him with his messenger. And God meets him with his message. Philip says, hey man, do you get it? You have a grasp on that truth? Are you understanding the scriptures? And the man says, no man, get in. Come tell me all about it. And I love this. This is like an evangelism softball right here. All right, how easy is this conversation? Hey, do you understand things about God? No. Will you tell me about God? Perfect. This is the easiest gospel conversation I've ever had, right? 
I mean, Philip is, is just asking him, hey, do you understand? And he's like, no, I'm, I'm glad you asked. I need to know about Jesus, right? Here it is, right here. Evangelism 101. All you got to do is, hey, do you know about Jesus? Perfect. Boom. That leads you into a conversation. The guy says, come tell me about Jesus. Come tell me about the text. Come tell me about what I have here. And so what we have in the text is, is, is so simple. We have the drawing of the Holy Spirit upon this man. We have a sinner searching with a seeking heart. We have the living word of God in hand, and we have someone willing to tell him about it. So don't miss this. The supernatural work of the Spirit works through the submissive will of the servant. The supernatural work of the Holy Spirit works through the submissive will of the servant. Because what you and I must be as servants is people willing to tell. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the very word of Christ. Romans 10, 15, back it up. How will they know unless someone tells them? How will they be sent? Unless, how will they go unless someone is sent? How, how will they have the answers unless someone preaches? There has to be someone who delivers the good news. There has to be someone who tells them the word of God. It was Peter on the day of Pentecost where 3,000 men got saved. It was Peter in a second sermon where 2,000 men got saved. It, it was Stephen who preached the Sanhedrin. And, and, and the soul of, of Peter, or the soul of Paul, was going to be touched and the seeds of the gospel be planted in him. It was the scattered believers at the beginning of Acts 8. As they went, as they were being scattered, they were preaching the gospel to everyone, everywhere they went. And now it's you today. It's you. You are the one sent. You are the ones called to go. You are the one saying to every person you interact with, hey, do you understand the truth about God? Do you know who God is and what he's done for you? Have you had an encounter with a living Lord Jesus Christ? People can't know the truth unless they hear the truth. And the good news about this, God uses people to reach people. Philip was no professional Christian he was a layman, full of the Holy Spirit. Praise God, that's every single person who is a Christian here today. You're a layman, filled with the Holy Spirit, with a desire to see one more person to be saved. So we see in Philip the obedience to be sent. And then we see in the eunuch, number two, the opportunity to be saved. The opportunity to be saved. How do we see that? Well, verse 32, it goes on. The passage of Scripture with which he was reading was this, Isaiah 53 passage of the suffering servant, the passage of Jesus as a lamb being led to the slaughter. It says here, he was led as a sheep to slaughter, as a lamb before its shear is silent. So he does not even open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or is he talking about someone else? And Philip opened his mouth. That's the very first step of you sharing someone the good news of Christ. you got to open your mouth. Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, he preached who? Jesus to the man. Philip climbed in the chariot. They're reading Isaiah 53 together. Isaiah 53, if you go read that today, powerful. It's a prophecy about Christ, a prophecy of the Messiah to come. And he wants to know, hey, who is the suffering servant? Is this prophet talking about what's going to happen to him, or is he talking about who's going to come after him? Who, who is he talking about? Who, who, who is this person describing? He couldn't understand it, but, but, but Philip was ready. Philip was ready. He, he explained that 750 years before the crucifixion of Christ, Isaiah promised his coming. Isaiah promised that there would be the Lamb of God 
who would die to take away the sin of the whole world. He promised that there would be a, a lamb to be the perfect, perfect substitute for the sin of the whole world. That as God promised in the book of Exodus, a sacrificial lamb who would die to be the one to pass over their sins through its blood, that Jesus would be the one, when we're covered in his blood, who would pass over our sins and offer us forgiveness and eternal life. He began to explain to him that Jesus was the one who came. He lived a perfect life. He died on a cross for our sin and our shame. And whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He began to share the gospel that Jesus Jesus was the Savior, that Jesus was the answer, that his heart was unsettled because he didn't have a relationship with Christ. And if he would believe and repent of his sin, confess Christ as his Lord and Savior, he would be saved. He gave him the good news. He gave him the gospel. And starting with that scripture, it says, Philip preached Jesus to that man. And I love that because watch this. Philip didn't say, well, that's the wrong question. Let's actually rewind and go back a little bit further. And let me answer some questions you're not asking. Now, Philip didn't try to divert. Philip started, it says, with that scripture. And he says, all right, let's make this as simple as possible. You're asking a question about Jesus. Let me take you to Jesus. Right? You're asking a question about who Jesus is. Let me tell you who Jesus is. He didn't try to get in any kind of other topics. He didn't say, well, that's okay, but let's actually talk about these things. There's actually bigger things we need to talk about. No, he said, hey, this is the most important question you could ever ask, and I'm going to give you the most important news you could ever hear, that you can be saved through Jesus Christ. That's all it was. And so I want to challenge you with this thought. You must always be ready to reveal Jesus. You must always be ready to reveal Jesus. Why? Because there's always going to be people who need to know. See, understand this. Philip prayed up. Philip studied up, and we need to be prepared theologically to do the work that God has commissioned us to do. He tells us to go make disciples, right? Go make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. He has commanded us. He has commissioned us. He has called us to go declare the good news of the kingdom of God by making disciples. We're not called to make worship attenders. We're not called to make church members. We are called to make disciples. And Philip, as he shows up to this man, this man did not need a friend. This man needed someone to tell him about Jesus. Right? He needed someone to come hang out with him for the long journey home. He needed someone to come up here and tell him the depths of the truth of the gospel. He says, come and tell me about Jesus. And this man got up and told him about Jesus. That's it. That's it, church. We take people to the Scripture, and then we take them to the Savior, and we tell them how they can be saved. That's all there is to it. Don't make it complicated. Don't, don't try to go a different direction and say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Explain why Jesus came. Explain what Jesus did. Explain how we respond to that, because one way or another, like a response is required. Because how does Philip lead him to a decision? Well, as they were going along, verse 36, as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, Water. What prevents me from being baptized? They've had a conversation about this. They've walked through that. That's part of the Great Commission, right? To go and teach and baptize. And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, Romans chapter 10, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water. We're seeing this baptism by immersion. Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. That word baptizo, immersion, all the way under. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. And the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. Time travel. All right, right here. Crazy. We see Philip 
there baptizing a man, pulling him up out of the water, and then boom, he's gone. Philip's gone, and the, the eunuch doesn't say what happened. The Philip says, praise God. <laughs> All right, I got saved. I'm following Jesus. He went on his way rejoicing, and Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, he kept preaching the gospel. He just kept going. He didn't stop and say, how did I get here? He didn't stop and say, what am I doing? He kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea, and we'll meet him later in the book of Acts. Philip led the man to a decision. He led him to a decision. The man was hearing the good news of Jesus, and he knew he needed to make a decision to follow him. He knew the next step was I believe in my heart, and I want to believe not only in my heart, I want to believe with my lips, and I want to follow him with my life. I want to give everything I have and everything I am to follow Jesus, and he decided to follow. He believes, he confesses, and he wants to be united with him. Watch this in baptism. How important is baptism, you ask? Important enough that in the middle of the desert, God provides a pool of water. We're on a desert road. There so happens to be, obviously not coincidentally, a body of water. And the man says, what prevents me from being obedient? What prevents me from publicly declaring that I belong to Jesus? What prevents me from identifying with that suffering servant who died for me, who was buried for me and rose again to give me life? I want to be like him. I want to follow him. I want to be united with him in relationship. Let's stop. And I'm going to do the same thing he's done for me. I'm going to be buried in my sin. But I'm going to be not only buried in my sin, I'm going to be raised to new life in Jesus Christ because he's made me a brand new creation. I'm now a follower of Christ. I've been born again. I've been made alive. And we see him stop and let nothing prevent him from following Christ. And that's what I want to challenge you with here today. The greatest preventer in your life is always going to be pride. The greatest preventer, take this home, that's our takeaway statement here today. The greatest preventer in your life is always going to be pride. What prevents you from full obedience and submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Pride. What's going to prevent you from going and sharing the gospel with someone else? Pride. What's going to prevent you from making a decision for Jesus and giving your whole life to him without any exceptions? Pride. What's going to prevent you from getting out of sin, repenting of your sin, and, and letting Jesus change your life one decision at a time to find the forgiveness that comes when you repent? Pride. What's going to prevent you from even obeying him by being baptized today? Pride. The greatest preventer in your life is always going to be pride. But I want to challenge you with this thought. Don't let pride prevent you from God's best portion. God has a promise for you. God has a purpose for you. God has a portion for you to fulfill you and to use you. And you better not let pride stand in the way of the promise. Don't let pride keep you from God's best. I would challenge you today. Repent. Return. Remember all that God has done for you. And don't let anything prevent you from following God and whatever he's calling you today. We thank you for listening. Be sure to click the subscribe button on this podcast so you don't miss out on any and all of our future content. We pray you were encouraged by the word of God today. If you feel that the Lord is leading you to make a decision or have questions, you can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or at our website at newlifebaptist.faith.